0: If you're an early-stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outliveventures.io Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today I'm really happy to welcome CEO of Bison Trails and co-founder, Joe Leluz. Welcome, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. really excited to be here. So for those that don't know, Bison Trails is the easy-to-use, secure infrastructure platform powering the world's top custodians, exchanges and funds and is a leading blockchain infrastructure company helping democratize access to blockchain networks. And we're going to get into more around the mission of that a little bit later. So uh, several reasons why I've got you on the show. Uh, actually, I thought it'd be a lot harder uh, given all the recent news that was going on. I was, I was kind of thinking, oh, there's just no way he's going to have time to do this. But I was very flattered that you managed to m- make time. So thanks for uh, coming on in what I'm sure is a very busy Uh, Moment for you. Um, So, you are a serial entrepreneur, I believe, over 20 startups um, and an active angel investor, two acquisitions, one in the Web2 world, and of course, one most recently with Bison Trails. Uh, You are also a board representative at Libra Association, I believe, the kind of technical um, committee. And um, uh, as I said, acquired recently by by Coinbase. So you know, understanding mergers and acquisitions, the timing of them, the strategic thinking behind them for both sides, of course, is a really fascinating topic. I'm sure it's going to be an increasing theme as we go into this cycle now. Um, so I'm, I'm sure a lot of founders at various stages are going to be able to kind of learn a lot from your experience. And as I said, it's not the first time. You've been through that journey. Um, so let's go into the origin story. So what I know, and it'd be great to kind of maybe fill in the blanks, as I said, uh, I, I do know you told me off air that you're a serial founder. Um, but what I do know is uh, you have a dual BS um, from RPI concentrating on electrical computer engineering systems and economics um you uh, the uh, the kind of startup I mentioned the web 2 startup I mentioned that got acquired was sold to Etsy um and that was Grand state uh Grand Street grand station that's right Grand Street yeah grand Street there you go yeah um I just doubted myself then I looked at the abbreviation um which was a, a online marketplace for creative technology and that was Uh, acquisition 2014 Uh, and then you've also uh, founder and ceo of ambush labs uh, and a partner ambush capital so i mean that's all a bit messy soup so it'd be great if you could kind of make sense of that for me and of course it'd be great to hear how you and your founder ended up at uh bison charles
1: yeah absolutely so First, I have to commend you on the like incredibly well articulated intro to uh, Bison Trails. The number of times I have to correct that uh, after doing like an interview or or in the middle of a conversation that was that was perfect. Um, we uh, exactly right. To put it simply, we're an infrastructure company. Um, we help folks uh, like you said, custodians, exchanges, funds, but also a lot of uh, tech companies, fintech companies, neobanks. Um, and app builders that want to access uh, blockchain networks. So uh, we offer a few products to do that, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but um, in, in general, that's what we're doing. And I, I love the way that you put it. I have to make a quick correction. You said 20, 20 startups. Uh, uh, I, Two startups, a lot, a lot. <laughs> two, two startups that have gone past the idea phase. It may be twenty, maybe a hundred that never made it past like uh, you know the first first iteration. They still
0: count. They still count. You can't. You know, they're, they're still there, right? That's all part
1: of the journey. Yeah. There's there's a very uh, there's a long graveyard of uh, startup ideas, startup concepts that made it either to mocks or first software or uh, or never really made it anywhere um, behind a couple of other ones. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, don't want don't want your you know. Your listeners to think that uh, founded twenty companies. I'm not. Yeah.
0: Uh, you're not Elon um, Musk.
1: No, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, and you know the other thing you said that I really liked uh, that I, that I really like, um, and I I think is a great starting point is you. I, you called it. Correct me if I'm wrong. You called it murky soup. <laughs> like yeah, messy soup uh, Yeah, messy, exactly. <laughs> messy soup there you go messy soup yeah <laughs> messy soup i think that that um and if you don't mind i, I think i'm going to try and steal that uh, and maybe yeah, use it yours. again if that's okay yours. with you yeah. cuz uh i think that that is a perfect uh visual almost you know representation of a founder life a lot, lifelong uh, founder founder life and um and i think it's a perfect depiction it's exactly right it is a messy soup um, being a founder is messy <laughs> uh, the things around being a founder are very very messy um and that's what's really exciting to most founders that that stick with it is that you know it is messy and it's very exciting because it's messy so i'm super happy to try and thread some some you know a little bit more clarity through that messy soup yeah. over over the the rest of the conversation but um yeah i can i can kind of start uh i am so like you said i'm joe lalo i'm a startup founder i've been a you know, techno- tech startup founder for the majority of my career. Those really close to me know that I've <laughs> had a couple jobs, real jobs here and there, um, but uh, mostly have been an entrepreneur uh, for, for the larger part of my career. Um, previously started a company called Grand Street. Uh, and one of the things that's really interesting uh, about myself, and in particular myself and my co founder, is we've been working together for about 17 years now. Oh, wow. Um, which is relatively rare in yeah. the uh, sort of you know business partnership uh, world. Um, we've started a number of startups together, uh, which has both you know a lot of benefits um, and then you know a lot of challenges as well. Um, I like to describe it as we've kind of gone through hell and back again a few times, and so um, there's a very strong partnership there that's very hard to. Ah, break because of it, which is great, and that's the kind of thing you need in in early stage companies. Um, but yeah, so I started a company called Grand Street. It was a marketplace for uh, creative tech. It was mostly like new hard new hardware devices. You can think like, you know, early versions of like what would have, would have become a Fitbit or something like that. It was really in this like new open hardware movement. Um, and in 2014, we joined Etsy, where I joined the leadership team there and uh, really focused oh, yeah, on building. Position, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, Etsy acquired uh, grand street in 2014. I'm drawing a blank on the month, but somewhere in the beginning of 2014 mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and we, we we joined there, joined, joined the leadership team there and was building um, mostly seller services. So Etsy is a marketplace for creative goods and um, handmade goods. And, and uh, it really has two sides to this marketplace, people that buy these goods and the people that sell them. And so we were building a lot of services, um, scaling up Etsy's seller base, which is you know growing astronomically fast at the time, and probably still is. I don't. I haven't, I haven't been working at Etsy in a while, um, so I was there for a few years. Um, had an amazing time.
0: What scale was Etsy at that point, by the way, as a company? Where was it? In, it where was it in its journey?
1: Yeah. Uh, so Etsy, when we uh, got acquired by Etsy, it was about a y- just under a year before it went public, or maybe just over a year before it went public. So it was right. Um, funny enough, in its journey it was in a similar spot to um, you know our, our kind of recent acquisition um, with Coinbase. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was growing. It had grown very quickly, very organically, but astronomically fast. Um, you know, was already a, a unicorn. However, you want to describe that, whether it's by market cap or you know by investment or by you know sales, sort of all the metrics across the board were showing it to be a unicorn, which was great. Um, probably about 2000 people or so that were working there at the time. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it was, you know, really, a really, I'm going to keep using this word a really messy place yeah. <laughs> to work as most companies that are in that stage are. Um, but very, very exciting and really fun and, and, you know, incredible people, incredible management team, incredible board and, um, a super, super great place to be.
0: And you, um, so when you got acquired at that point, you then presumably, it was it was a complete merger, right? You ended up being uh, subsumed into a particular division, right? I think it was product and a certain service area.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, the 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 you know real quick story behind that story was we had been building this uh, this platform to help essentially to help people that were building new products scale that production. So Grand Street was really while while we were uh, we ended up being a marketplace for for buyers and sellers of new creative tech technology the the real uh, magic behind what we were doing was we'd built these apis into an esoteric ecosystem uh in particular technology manufacturing so i'd spent a whole bunch of time in you know in china and in, in shenzhen looking at like how uh, products are built tech, tech products are built how they're manufactured and, and looking at all the pain points that uh, entrepreneurs have trying to build in this space. So build new tech and scale up that production. So at the time it was really easy if you wanted to, you know, take an Arduino and build, you know, four or five sort of smartwatches. But if you wanted to actually build, you know, 3 million of those smartwatches, it was incredibly difficult to make that jump. And so that was, that was the magic behind what we were trying to do. And, um, Etsy was incredibly interested in this idea of, you know, software powering, um, scaling, uh, seller services and scaling um, things like manufacturing and scaling things like um, logistics and, you know, all the, all the different pieces that go along with like helping small businesses or, or early stage entrepreneurs build out um, and scale up. And that was, so when they acquired us um, we uh, became at the time was like the, the sort of maker innovation group. So we were focused on innovating, Around makers, so people that were building new stuff, uh, and that slowly merged into the seller services group, which was you know really about building products and services for sellers. And so we launched a few products while we were there, um, pretty successful ones. Um, they still exist and are live today. Uh, in particular, one of the ones was this product called Pattern, uh, which was essentially Etsy's uh, competitor to Shopify. So it was enabling folks to you know have their own brand, their own website, and, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, market and scale up their their businesses that way it's a really really interesting product super fun
0: oh wow well i mean i can imagine well not imagine i know of several projects in the nft space now that would love somebody with your expertise sadly you're uh you're not on the market but so we'll, let, let, let's keep going um so so i guess at that point you this was when you set up ambush capital right uh, like as a side thing to do the classic you know founder exit investor
1: yeah so one more messy thread to pull on um we you know we, we sold the company uh and one of the things that i promised myself i wanted to always do if i ever found some success in in, in venture in in you know software comp- in, in tech companies was uh give back give back to the entrepreneurship community i'll never and i will never ever forget how hard it is to be an entrepreneur i will never ever forget like the the difficulty of convincing that first person to you know, write you a tiny check to, to sort of take that leap. Uh, and I always said that if I was ever able to, I would f- go out and find those people that were, you know, busting their butts like I was, um, at, in the early stages of my founder career, uh, and write them checks. And so, uh, that was when uh, my co-founder and I, and actually another friend of ours, who's a founder of a completely different company joined forces. Uh, and we started this, this, um, Ambush Labs, which is really just like a labs incubation company, and then Ambush Capital, which is mostly just an angel investing um, company. We, we, we uh, invest in early stage founders. So really focused on the people, less focused on the products or the industry um, under this thesis that people are <laughs> are what make a company special. So founders are what make companies special um, and that you know ideas are interesting and execution on ideas are really important. Uh, but the people are the ones that drive those things and they they form the teams around them, they form the cultures around them, and that's what we want to invest in. And so um, for the last, I guess it's about six or seven years now, officially, um, we've been investing uh, in early stage companies and we've, you know, uh, put together a really great portfolio in crypto, in Web3, in e-commerce and in consumer goods and, uh, you know, traditional SaaS, like really across the board, but of just portfolio of just incredible, incredible founders. Um, and and uh, I'm super uh, fortunate and I'm very grateful for the founders that we work with because I've learned so much from them also in the process, which has been amazing.
0: Yeah. And so did were you investing in, let's just call it Web3 for now as a catch term, before you were a founder in it and and how did that kind of lead into bison trails
1: yeah i love i love i love this question i feel like i feel like you already know the answer you mean the way you ask the question is as if you already know the answer but i know you don't know the answer which is hilarious um i was so i the thing to know about myself and i won't give a whole like how i got into bitcoin because nobody wants to hear that anymore. And the truth is that story is actually not that interesting for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. um, but uh, the, the reason why I, I got interested in, in Web3 in general, including all of crypto, et cetera, is because I'm a huge nerd. My co-founder and I are both technical. We're both engineers. Um, we're big nerds. When we were uh, building this marketplace, one of the uh, there was a payments company called Diwalla that was doing like Bitcoin payments at the time. And we were like, let's integrate this. Like, We integrated Bitcoin payments into our tiny marketplace at the time. And it was an absolute disaster because Bitcoin payments back then were <laughs> super unreliable. And, uh, you know, confirmations took forever. And um, But, you know, most of our community and most of our friends and, and, and you know, closest, uh, cl- you know, closest work uh, relationships were all also nerds. And everybody was just interested in crypto, not because Web3, th- not because at the time, I mean, Web3 didn't exist as a concept necessarily, but... Not because everyone was like, "This is the future," but because we were all really interested in, in rallying around this like bizarre sort of programmable money, really technical, nuanced kind of fringe technology that was um, that was you know interestingly pushing the boundaries. And um, for folks that have worked in like large scale infrastructure before, the idea of sort of consensus networks around like data integrity wasn't that new necessarily, you know, if you, if you worked in, 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 large scale, like data projects, it's, it, it's actually not that crazy. The public blockchains was <laughs> brand new, but, um, the concept wasn't, uh, wasn't that crazy. So at the time, you're, you're absolutely right. I started meeting other founders that were building, you know, new projects in, in web three and started looking at all the fun stuff that was going on, like ETH and, um, you know, some, some of the other projects that were coming up. And, 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 and so that's right. I actually, ended up being an investor in the space although i at the time i wouldn't have called myself an investor <laughs> i would have you know just been like i don't know, i gave some some people some money or <laughs> or I, I bought this yeah. i bought this weird crypto thing um, but it is true before being an operator but that was the my story in web3 is uh, just being surrounded by the weirdest and smartest people that i ever met that were in this space and i could not get my head away from it didn't matter what I was working on, uh, at the time, I, you know, and, you know, full transparency, I was working at Etsy at the time and I was, we were building these new products, but you know, nights and weekends, I was reading white papers and, <laughs> you know, like really digging in, into, uh, web three and, and, uh, and sort of that catapulted me when, it, when I decided to, Hey, I think I want to go work on something else. Um, uh, my co-founder and I were like, let's go, let's go. You know, look at the blockchain and crypto and web three space because this is what's really, really interesting.
0: So, how did you arrive at wanting to build an infrastructure company? Was was that the goal, or was it that you were trying to solve a problem at the application layer and you realized you needed to solve the infrastructure problem to execute it? Yeah, both. The
1: answer is somehow both. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I, you know, in this origin story, i have back to this point where like we're obsessed with crypto. We're still at Etsy and it's like, we're getting ready to leave. You know, we've been there for a while and we're sort of thinking like, okay, what do we want to work on next? Uh, And uh, we did the only thing that founders know how to do, which is build, you know, like I remember distinctly remember talking to my co-founder and saying like, well, I mean, obviously we think the space is super important and the future of technology is going to be in web three, but how do we provide value? You know, that this this that's the question. It wasn't like how do I build a company or how do I uh, you know, specifically, you know, solve the infrastructure problem is how do we provide value? And the the only way that I know how to provide value or understand how I can provide value is to start building in a way that you know, is is thinking about like the long-term. And so we actually started building a few different, <laughs> and this is kind of goes back to the original, uh, my original statement. Like we actually built probably two or three different ideas, prototyped them, built out a concept. Uh, you know, one was like a, a, a you know, cross blockchain wallet that we were trying to build. Another one was, you know, random like trading bots that were like, you know, trying to optimize algorithmic trading across multiple centralized exchanges. Um, and, you know, for, for, other, for some reason or another, we realized Okay, this wasn't the thing we wanted to work on. You know, trading in particular, like algorithmic trading, like super fun technology, but like I'm, you know, I'm not really a trader, neither is my co-founder. We were sort of like, yeah, this is this would probably be a good business, but I'm not interested in in solving this problem. But what we realized was it didn't matter what product we were building, whether it was a wallet or bots on an exchange or you know, XYZ other product that we experimented at the time, the infrastructure layer to support that end use case, whether it was a technical use case or a user use case, um, was incredibly immature in the blockchain space. And we kept rebuilding these infrastructure pieces to be able to support building you know, a wallet or, or, or a
0: bot. And what year was this, by the way, just for context, so we can kind of This is out like through. 2016, 2017. Yeah. So that's, that's still pretty, you know, super early, right? Just, just before everything kicks off with the ICO mania. Yeah, so we were around, you know,
1: tr- truthfully, I actually, you know, in invested in some ICOs, but didn't really jump in on like the, the quote unquote, like trading ICO bubble. Um, but it was, you know, it was a, like into a start of and into the crazy ICO mania. And we were messing around with a few different products, but um, this was the aha moment for us. You know, it was, it was really, really obvious. And if you looked at, at the time, if you looked at some of the major companies in the blockchain space, they had to build every piece of technology from the blockchain all the way through to the user experience. And this is where kind of I think some of our uh, founder experience came into play where we actually looked over the course of the last 20 years and said, well, every technology ecosystem that's been successful doesn't have that. Every technology ecosystem that's been successful has multiple infrastructure layers and providers throughout because some specialization there enables folks to do the thing that they do best, right? Whether that's building UIs, building new products and services, building data access, you know, it doesn't matter what it is you're good at, Um, but that's that's what makes an ecosystem thrive. And so we sort of turned to ourselves and said like, let's build the infrastructure company. It's not that cool, it's not that sexy, but it's gonna be incredibly valuable in making it easier for people like us who wanna look at the space and build in the space to do that. Um, The simple version I like to, the simple story I like to give on this is in 2016, if you wanted to build a wallet on Ethereum, the first thing you would do is spin up a Geth node, and then come back in two weeks to actually try and build something on it. <laughs> Which, from a developer experience, is an absolute absurdity. Like, like it would need to sync for two weeks first, and you just, you know, you lose all the momentum, all of the, the excitement around what you're doing, and and that, you know, that's we that's changed a lot since then, and Bison Trails. Uh, as a as a platform we offer you know geth nodes and we sync them in in seconds and we have we just launched a product called global blockchain sync which is doing this and providing this kind of service across you know multiple blockchains but this was you know part of the the vision was like this needs to be easier it needs to be easier to build it needs to be easier to participate it needs to be easier for people to uh, try new things and that's that's that was why we started building an infrastructure company.
0: Very cool and so you know clearly as a an industry we've we've got a, a long way to go in that if you look at, I mean, there's different ways of trying to measure it, right? But I think you could still probably argue 99% of developers don't know anything about blockchain, or at least, you know, that it's just too painful for them to even entertain the idea, as you said. Um, so, and, and I imagine that the type of customer that you're now working with, or at least the range of customer has dramatically changed from what it was when you initially started. So maybe like we kind of, it'd be interesting to understand how the product roadmap has evolved with the customer base, because I'm imagining that's what's driving the, the product roadmap, right, is the type of customers you're onboarding. And of course, now the scale of customer that you're onboarding, but like whether it's Coinbase, presumably, uh, you know, Libra and, and, and other organizations, it, it's huge, right? yeah yeah so that that's
1: where um, that's where I would say uh, Aaron my co-founder co-founder and I uh, have a innate interest in shooting for the stars um and, and that's kind of like the you know the, the real founder DNA here um're you're 100 right the the product roadmap what we're trying to build, how we try to achieve that is definitely driven you know in part by, the market and what we're seeing in the market in in sort of day to day market, right? What are who are the people that need this the most, right? Because you need to be solving a problem for somebody. But we were not, and still are not afraid to look at the big picture and look at the world's biggest companies and think about the world's biggest, you know, financial institutions or the world's biggest <laughs> uh, technology companies, and either go toe to toe with them to compete or to say that you know we should they should be our customers they should be using our platform um and that means that you have to build an infrastructure platform that can support that kind of scale and that's that's a difficult thing to do so this is like you know we're we're dreamers we like to think big and dream big um, but we also have a lot of experience building things at scale um and so you're right like our customer type has shifted over time um or i wouldn't say shifted has grown over time yeah, has expanded over yeah, time yeah, yeah 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 it hasn't you know but we support everyone from, you know, the team of two that, uh, you know, want to, you know, build a, a, a wallet that easily enables folks to stake on like a really esoteric or up and coming blockchain that no one's ever heard of and isn't supported on any <laughs> any of the major exchanges, all the way to you're a you know massive multi billion dollar uh, neobank or you know company and you need to be able to support billions of queries and transactions uh, on, uh, on the back on, on an application that's serving like, you know, millions or tens of millions of users. Uh, and, and we do both, um, and we're able to do both because we said, sure, we'll build this product and make sure that we're solving the needs of these people. But we want to be able to su- support the entire ecosystem because, um, if we're not, if we're not supporting these big companies as well, and, and these smaller companies as well, um, then we're, you know, we, we sort of viewed it as we would then be kind of like pigeonholes a little too far into like, maybe like enterprise blockchain solutions, which isn't really what we were trying to do. It was mostly about helping. We really wanted to take a lot of, of pages out of the sort of AWS playbook, you know, make it so that entrepreneurs can build and scale up their businesses. And, and I think that that's where it's pretty different. You know, we didn't want anybody to ever use our product and graduate off. And so we wanted to make sure that we were building a a product that could scale up with the the biggest companies in the space. And so one of the ways to do that is to go get the biggest companies in the space as customers and and see if it works, you know? So, uh, you know, last year uh, before Coinbase acquired us, we announced that we had uh, launched a partnership with them and they were using us for things like staking on uh, you know, their custody team was using us for things on like staking on uh, Polkadot and, you know, a few other uh, networks. And um, similarly, we've been supporting, uh, like you said, associations and association members of, of uh, Libra, formerly known as Libra, but now Diem, the DM Association, uh, which, you know, the, those members are, are pretty large tech companies with, um, you know, massive, massive in the billion scale. Well,
0: it's really great to hear that you are, you know, you used the word at the beginning around, or maybe I did actually in describing you, but it was you know, taken from somewhere, uh, democratizing access to blockchain networks. And I think... Um, I will be honest. I am surprised that you're still focusing upon, um, I guess you know the, the the kind of more native companies. But at the same time, it makes total sense, right? Because they're going to be the high growth uh, companies, if if the companies at all, of of the future. So that's that's really great to hear. Um, so could you talk us through the products a little bit, and then we'll we'll kind of zoom out. So it'd be great to understand to understand like at least. Four key areas, right? Participate, query and transact, delegate, and then data indexes and APIs. And within that, it'd be great to understand like where you're getting the most growth or traction.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, participate and delegate are similar, but slightly different products, and I'll I'll bucket them and cover them uh, uh, together. Proof of stake in particular, one of the things that uh, we focused on very early and probably earlier than most people were even looking at it was this shift from proof of work to proof of stake as a consensus mechanism in, in modern blockchains um, and recognize that infrastructure in particular, node infrastructure was going to be incredibly important in the success of these protocols. Um, so This is kind of getting into the technical weeds a little bit, but this is something that we early on, like like years ago, and we said. One of the best things we can do for the ecosystem as these these proof of stake protocols come live is make it incredibly easy for someone to participate in it. And that includes staking, voting, you know, all the other pieces, you know, and every protocol is different. So there's different sort of verbs or ways you can participate, which we bucket under participate. So we make it incredibly easy for, you know, Jamie to go and click two buttons and run a, a polka dot uh, validator or click two buttons and run a Cosmos. Uh, validator or click two buttons and run an ETH2 validator. Um, and the reason for this is because we believe that the more people participate, the better the ecosystem is, the better the protocols are. And this is something that's traditionally quite difficult. So security, reliability, uptime, um, we're talking about nodes that are helping secure a network that often have some form of financial value. Sometimes there's like, you know, honeypot elements to it. If you're not doing you know your keys uh, securely or you're not, <laughs> uh, you're not running that infrastructure securely or or it goes down, you run the risk of you know losing some money, and and so this is important. We want to make that incredibly easy. So th- that was that was one of the first products we actually launched with because we felt it was early in the market and there was a ton of value to be created, and we can help um, you know independents and also folks like large exchanges and custodians that were holding these tokens or aggregating tokens to be able to do this easily. Um, so that's the idea. Uh, the participate product is all about uh, launching your own nodes that participate in blockchains. Um, you can do that with a few clicks. For the most part, uh, you know, couple couple chains we use like uh, pretty <laughs> pretty intense like uh, hardware security modules. Um, so it's maybe a couple more than <laughs> a couple clicks, but for the mo- most part, it's a couple of clicks. Um, Delegate is a similar product in that it enables folks that um, maybe aren't exactly right to run their own node because there's sometimes economic uh, implications of running your own node, so the cost might not be worth the value you would get out of it. Um, and we recognized that and said, okay, well, how do we enable the market to leverage our superior security, high availability, multi-cloud nature, the platform that we've built, so that we're not leaving anybody out? You know, like how do we how do we make it so that you know Joe who has ten dots can actually delegate those dots to a node that has like really really strong uh, brand and security around it? And so that product is really entirely about focusing on you know people that want to be able to delegate to a high availability node, security node. Um, So those two products are both both about participating. Um, Qt, which is query and transact, um, is a uh, multi-blockchain product that enables uh, people to do exactly that, query and transact on these chains, um, but do it uh, in a way that you support, uh, you know, 20 plus protocols all at once. And we're adding more and more protocols all the time, um, but really pushing the boundaries of these protocols. So uh, looking at the different ecosystems like Substrate and Polkadot and, and Tendermint and Cosmos and the Cosmos SDK and all the incredible parachains and sidechains and hubs that are being built. Um, sorry, spokes that are being built within those, <laughs> those ecosystems um, and enabling the builders that want to, you know, build new anything from like AMMs to wallets to, you know, across the board and all the really fun stuff we've been seeing in Ethereum as that scales out to more ecosystems as well. So uh, similarly, that enables really large scale fintechs to get into the crypto space really easily. You want to add Bitcoin and Ethereum to your large banking app, uh, you need to be able to connect to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, You can do that by uh, using the Bison Trails QT product. And then finally, data indexing. which for us is uh, probably one of our first steps, slightly up the infrastructure stack. So less about how do you run these nodes and do things like APIs and RPCs, uh, RPC calls within the blockchains themselves, but how do you actually take all the massive amounts of data that's in these uh, smart contracts and make it so that it's easily queryable and usable across the board, and and um, in, in, in most importantly, in an incredibly reliable, mission critical way. So if you're a you know, multi-billion dollar company that has you know tens of millions or hundreds of millions of users or more and you want to make sure that you're providing secure accurate reliable data um, it often requires you to have pretty advanced uh, data indexing and querying technology and so that that's the the latest product that we've been working on
0: great um that's really helpful to get your head around the uh, the product suite and so you know you've mentioned some of these clients, and if you look at the website, uh, it's everything from, as you say, you know, the Pocket Indexer, Cosmos, Terra, um, and as I mentioned, Libra, uh, and then of course um, Coinbase. And uh, I think you know it, it was very, you were very, um, uh, very deliberate in making sure it was understood that, on the one hand, there is a standalone product line at Coinbase. Um, but that you continue to support your your customers. So could you just explain, you know, what was the driving factor for the, the acquisition? Um, I guess it's not a merger, technically, right? So it's an it's an acquisition. Um I, to be honest with you neither do I, I was just trying to be clever. Um so yeah, maybe it is a merger and acquisition, I don't know. But but you know, that it, it feels like So on the one hand, you've done it for a reason. Like both sides felt that this made sense, and on the other hand, you know you're you're making sure that you continue to serve your existing customers and stuff. So could you just talk us through, you know, that that process and where you're at and the the thinking both sides really is to this this marriage. Yeah, absolutely. So.
1: Um, One of the things that I would say is pretty unique about Bison Trails, and this probably holds true today, but it was definitely very unique for the first two years uh, of our our sort of upbringing, uh, was uh, we always viewed uh, protocol teams. So the teams that are building these protocols, not as customers, but as grassroots partners. Um, Our entire vision was making it so that these ecosystems could thrive and that more people can come in and build. Um, And so we never really viewed them as customers. So protocol teams aren't really our customers at all. um, For the most part, I think, you know, I want to be, again, like really transparent. Like I think a few of them we work with to help with, you know, some maybe seeding nodes or, or create transacting nodes. Um, But our entire vision here was not about how do we, you know, take money from protocol teams, but it was really about how do we, build a sustainable business for the entire ecosystem and help support the businesses that are built on top of these protocols, which is super important. What that means is that we, um, support all of the custodians exchanges, um, you know, a a lot of, a lot of uh, token holders. So funds, individuals, wallets, you know, decentralized wallets, um, a lot of folks that are built on top of these protocols. Um, and the, uh, the sort of interplay nature of the ecosystem, in my view, is still incredibly young. Uh, And so what we wanted to make really clear uh, it, as, as part of this, his merger or this acquisition, again, at some point I will have to look at, I'll ask some lawyers about <laughs> yeah, what the difference really. is because yeah. I actually don't know. Never um, ask but, a lawyer a question where again, it's open <laughs> to interpretation. That's an expensive answer. <laughs> let's, let's call it a marriage. The, the, yeah. the, the, you know, what we want to make clear as part of this marriage, and I can talk a little bit about, about more why we, we decided to, to marry, um, was that, Bison Trails' vision was always about supporting the entire ecosystem, not one company, not one type of company, not a custodian, not an exchange, not a wallet, but really about all the the folks that are building products and services in the space. So, um, and we wanted to make sure that that was really clear to the market, to our existing customers, um, and to new prospective customers that are thinking about building something new, um, that we weren't going away, and that we were just the beginning of our journey. And I think that that's really important. So Bison Trails is still a relatively young company we have some great products but in in my my opinion the space is just at the beginning you know it's like you know bitcoin is is I don't know whatever 10 plus years old now i, I to me that's that that you know it's such a baby still and i'm so excited for the next 10 15 20 years of of uh, of, of expansion and um, i'm a pretty firm believer that crypto and web3 is not just going to solve things like fintech and and financial services and financial access but actually all software products and services are going to be built on some form of cryptographically secured network. Uh, and it'll be so pervasive and we, no one will know. People won't know that they're using blockchains or crypto networks to, to, you know, to use a social media app. It will be uh, baked into uh, the product and service itself. So getting back to why the marriage, um, over the last few years, we've built a great relationship with Coinbase. Um, they're an incredible, uh, incredible force in the space and um, similarly have a uh, very aligned vision on creating open access to the space. You know, you, you mentioned this, and this is actually part of our, our stated mission, which is democratizing access to the, to the blockchain space. While the Coinbase you know, mission and vision are slightly different, they <laughs> essentially equate to a very, very similar end result, which is making it easier for more people to be involved, making it easier for more people to build, uh, and there was a really strong alignment there, uh, where we believed that um, we could start to offer products and services to the market that you know were very unique because of the really strong uh, position of Coinbase and the and the uh, you know strong position of of Bison Trails as well, but also the uniqueness of our focus. So Bison Trails is really an infrastructure company, focused on the technology, on the entire ecosystem, uh, and Coinbase was you know ha- has been incredibly good at. Uh, retail and institutional growth, and and you know the exchange, and those two things combined with with their specific focus can end up in a one plus one equals three world, and we are really excited about that. So that that's why.
0: Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And so it's interesting to hear you talk, as you say, beyond financial institutions. I mean, I imagine you know, financial institutions are going to be a huge growth area for you, but nevertheless you know, perhaps that's slightly more, more obvious growth. So I would be interested to hear about where you think the more immediate growth areas are outside of financial services. As I said, I know, um, uh, you know, you've been doing some work at Libra now, obviously that is a financial services initiative, but by a social media platform. So I don't know if that's also part of that story.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, I I think when, when folks first get into, uh, web three, in general and you know the majority of web3 has been in service of open financial platforms and financial institutions and i think that that's because of how we got to where we are today in that like bitcoin as a store of value asset or medium of, uh, you know a trans, you know a medium of exchange asset um and its maturity has sort of led most people to be interested in that space um, in in the fintech space, but if you actually take a look, kind of behind the scenes, and you look at the technology that's powering the ability to you know have these you know, public ledgers and um, and have uh, these really open, really interesting financial institutions or financial products, sorry, um, you start to realize that that same technology can be used to solve some other pretty immediate or daunting on the horizon problems. Um, things like data integrity, things like source of truth, things like um, uh, priority, uh, w- things like identity, which are really difficult problems to solve. Um, and And uh, I view the expansion or what's happening in the the sort of open financial system world as phase one. You know th- this was like the obvious one. It was like, okay, we know we can make finance better. <laughs> it's It's very broken. And we know we can solve this problem. And we have all these incredible researchers and, and developers that are building you know things in the DeFi space and in uh, in in the crypto space and the crypto asset space. Um, but even if you you know recent news, if you look at like the NFT space, like you know there's an incredible amount of hunger for an alternative to what we have out there today. So I'm not making any statements about NFTs in general. I've you know I've owned a Crypto Kitty for a long time. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think NFTs are, are a phenomenal concept. But it's so obvious to me that there's a hunger and a desire for change in how things like, you know, media, art are being transferred, owned, consumed. Uh, And and, and so, you know, I think we're going to over the next five years, we're going to continue to see more and more jumps into the blockchain and crypto and Web3 space to solve some of those problems. Um, I actually am very pro not doing it all at once because I think that that could actually be worse for the ecosystem. So I'm almost very in favor of solving the financial services problem, solving the open financial system. You know, maybe the next phase is media and art and uh, mixed media. Maybe it's data, maybe it's, you know, social media, maybe it's news. Uh, I'm I'm not sure exactly yet, but I'm I'm really excited. And I think the thing I will say about that is that as, as a founder, that is building a platform to enable other entrepreneurs. I'm so excited by the people that are building on our platform more than anything else. Like to me that feels like the ultimate the ultimate payback to the entrepreneurship community is making it easier and you know tying this back to like what I was saying originally about, you know, wanting to give back, making it easier to build is like the ultimate payback. So, I'm excited.
0: So you've closed the loop beautifully. So we just have to stop there. It's a mic drop moment. I don't. I don't think we could. I mean, I could talk to you for another hour on, on many of those things. I want to be respectful of your time, but let, let's let's finish at the mic drop. Um, Joe, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next decade has in store for you guys, and especially now hearing you know some of your ambitions above and beyond. Um, financial services. And I'm sure many people are very grateful. We've got lots of startups going through our accelerator that, um, you know, probably 100 this year that are going to have to try and get rid of some of these problems themselves. And therefore, I think, you know, something like Bison Trails is going to be of great, great help for them. So, Joe, thanks for coming on. Jamie, thanks so much. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh,
1: good luck with the new, I believe there's new new startups, right, that you guys are looking for to, to join recently and um, definitely keep us posted on the ways that we can help some of the entrepreneurs that you work very closely with. We'd,
0: we'd really love to. I'm going to pick up with with that with you immediately offline when we, when we cut off here. So thanks Amazing. for Thanks, Jamie. Have a good one. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.